0: Hello, and welcome to Department 12, where we talk about anything and everything IO Psych. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and joining me today is Mark Efron. How are you today, Mark?
1: Doing great, Ben. Happy to be here.
0: And thank you for being here, Mark. You are the founder and president of the Talent Strategy Group, which provides consulting to the world's largest and most complex organizations. You also publish Talent Q, a magazine focused on providing talent leaders with science-based, insightful, and practical information. To make critical talent decisions and you're also the author of eight steps to high performance and the highly influential one page talent management you can check the show notes for a complete bio and links to mark's world for now though let's just jump into this so mark in one page talent management you introduce the concept of science-based simplicity you advise your readers that when you design an hr process you've got to start with the proven science so in that way You're really the poster boy for what we IO psychologists are always going on about, which is we want informed practitioners who consult the science and apply it to solve real world problems. So I'd like to start this conversation by asking about your process for this. How do you learn about the science?
1: First, let me start by saying I so much appreciate all the incredible research that has been done over the past many, many, many years. And for any of your listeners who are actively doing it, uh, it is your work that allows me to do my work. And I think it's probably the foundation for, for that question, which is that I start by reading through whatever is going to inform the problem that I'm trying to solve. Now, some of it I've read through a lot, so I don't need to do it again. Things like performance management or potential. But when we say science-based simplicity, it means if we're trying to solve a problem like how do we focus people on higher performance? Well, then let's go look at all the great science that tells us how to do that, whether that is around goal setting or coaching or anything else, and understand first, is anything absolutely proven to work? So is there a kind of no regrets, just do this? Or is there even directional advice? Well, you might not know exactly what to do, but you know to go northeast instead of going southwest. So when we say start with the science, it really means that. Do we already know something from the, the most conclusive science out there about how we should design a particular human resource practice? And the art after that is the simplicity piece. The science piece is actually relatively straightforward. Either the science is there or it's not. The simplicity piece is saying, How do we take this really good advice and make it unbelievably easy for busy managers
0: to implement? What tools do you use?
1: Normally they start with Google Scholar and then after Google Scholar, that's going to point me normally to something I can get from PsychInfo or maybe there's something I can get directly from Google Scholar. But the the most common one-two step is start at Google Scholar and go to PsychInfo after that.
0: You do a lot of research on new challenges, new problems. I'm guessing there are times where the literature just doesn't provide you with the answers that you were looking for. Could you share with us, for our benefit as an I.O. community, What are some topics or questions that, boy, you just wish we would work on?
1: My answer to that question uh, fall under the category of more holistic solutions. Uh, And I understand from a research perspective, you have to start with, with kind of a core hypothesis. You can't say what allows success at work. But the challenge is that what we as practitioners end up with, I call them bricks. Now, that's in a good way. We end up with a bunch of bricks in a pile. But nobody's organized those bricks into a wall, and and most practitioners either aren't able to or aren't willing to do that. Everything that I'm going to find valuable is more holistic. Uh, Let's start with potential to advance. Now, you can piece together the literature, and and there's some actually comprehensive literature around what allows people to be successful at work. And it's going to say, well, it's intelligence and select personality factors. And uh, uh, and my buddy Alan Church has done a lot of great work on uh, that. But there isn't an, at least that I know of, an academic model of potential that says, here's what it is, and here's the confidence we have in that. And again, not looking for uh, absolutely predictive, but at least a model that says, in general, it's this, and it answers uh, this much of the variance or this much of the question that we have. Part of that also goes to, there's not, that I've seen holistic research to say, not only what does an individual bring to the table in terms of potential, but how do we measure different types of fit with different either organizational cultures, or organizational strategic challenges? Because I think a lot of the times we have this very, one, especially uh, among practitioners, it's very one-sided debate, you know, high potential or not high potential. It's like, well, I don't know, high potential for an entrepreneurial environment, high potential for a turnaround, high potential where you have to drive a lot of change. And it would be great to see a more holistic model that said, both from an individual and an organizational uh, point of view, here's what allows people to succeed in a variety of challenging situations.
0: I'm hearing you right. You would like to be able to sit down with some research that shows, you know, here's a holistic model of potential with various dimensions of what potential can mean. Potential in fast-moving environments, potential in more stable environments, potential for this, potential for that be able to go down, you know, work maybe a table or something and say, okay, well, here are the characteristics that we're looking for. Here's the recipe. You know, it's it's general cognitive ability plus conscientiousness plus whatever for, for this. And it's openness to experience plus intelligence for this kind of potential. Something like that?
1: Absolutely. And I think there's a There's a decent amount of information, again, from the individual side. Hey, a little more extroversion, you're likely going to be a little more successful in sales roles. Okay, but that still doesn't tell me, okay, sales role in any company, that the organizational side still seems to be missing. And part of it, I think, is there's not a sorting of the variety of organizational situations against which we should assess people. So there's no Mm -hmm. categorization to say, look, organizations tend to exist in five different forms. Um, let's assess potential against those five forms an organization might take or the five challenges that an organization might be going through. And uh-huh. there might be nothing there. It could be that there's, there's nothing to assess because you can't categorize an organization in that way. But it does feel like there must be some additional level of granularity that we can get to around, maybe call them scenarios, that an organization is going
0: through. We have a tendency to just say, okay, well, here's the sample we did this study on. And we kind of leave it to the reader to decide whether or not it's going to generalize to the experience that they have, but maybe coming up with some kind of categorization of organizations so that we could be able to say, you know, large complex for-profit organization versus a small service delivery, nonprofit organization and and categorize things that way. So very cool suggestion. The answer is there's no variability. Maybe,
1: maybe it's no organizations are monolithic beings. It does not matter. That's the yeah. cool answer as well. But let's get to an answer or move towards an answer. I think That'd be incredibly helpful for the practitioner community because potential is the last big unanswered question. We actually, thanks to all you smart IO psychs, we already know the answers to a bunch of questions that we need to deal with every day. Potential is still that last uh, half answered at best question that HR leaders struggle
0: with every single day. What other topics or questions do you think we should focus on that you just haven't seen the attention paid to?
1: Yeah, let's go into diversity. I haven't seen a lot of great research on either gender or racial diversity. And I think there's a challenge in the workplace that we can split diversity into social goods and, and scientific research. And I think most of us would say, hopefully all of us, but most of us would say that diversity is a very good thing and there should be more of it to have a fair and equitable workplace. Now that's different than saying, "Is there an optimal mix of men and women? Is there an optimal mix of uh, races?" You know, these are interesting questions because right now the, the the language among both practitioners and researchers seems to be diversity is good. Yes, and I see sloppy research. Even from people like. Uh, McKinsey saying more women on a board is positive. Cool. How many women? Is it one woman? Is it all women? Because a lot of the research that I read, if you take it to its logical extreme, would say women are better leaders. Great. Well, then we should screen out men as leaders because if women are better leaders, then we would want all women at, in leadership positions. So I would like to see some scientific, some good IO psych research to say here's how diversity actually works in organizations here's the the benefits or here are the drawbacks so there's more practical guidance instead of kind of just broad side, yes diversity is a good thing i think a lot of it is that it's not at a an applicable level is diversity good yes so exactly how should i apply that
0: what other topics or questions do you have in mind a
1: holistic model of performance at work. In other words, what allows someone to be a high performer? And this is the one going back to my pile of bricks analogy. I think there are more than enough bricks available to build that wall. And I think what we need is someone to to start building that wall to say, look, we know a ton about goal setting. We know about coaching. We know a lot about psychological safety. Uh, We know about person job fit. We know about job We know about so much stuff at work, so great. Build a high performer for me. What exactly would need to be in place from an individual and an organizational perspective to create high performance among as many people as possible?
0: There are lots of consulting firms out there that are claiming that they can do exactly what you just said. Given that that's the case, why is it important to you that we, meaning the IO site community, look into this?
1: Love the question, Ben. And let's start off with, I am high skeptical on the Hogan derailleur survey. And so when a consulting firm says, we have solved the problem, answer is X. My first thought is, prove it. And what I love about IO psychology is that you all prove this every day. You have to publish in a peer-reviewed journal your, your conclusions and other people are allowed to look at your research and say either, yeah, I believe that or I've got some questions. Whereas if, and I'm not picking on any of these firms, uh, but if corn Ferry comes out and says, we've solved the problem with human performance, cool, show me the research. Because if your job is to sell people stuff to make money, then I'm not going to just believe you that you found the answer because that's actually a really good way to sell people stuff to make more money.
0: Please prove to me that you've done decent quality, objective research that would stand up to peer review. I love your pile of bricks analogy, and I think we've got a lot of bricks lying around in the yard of IO psychology. And it points me to my next question, which has less to do with the specific topics or questions and more about how we communicate those findings to practitioners like you. What can we be doing better to communicate our research to you and and others like you?
1: I think a few things. I think part of it is, I understand that the purpose of doing academic research is to do academic research, and the place to communicate that is in a peer-reviewed academic journal. So that's wonderful. It would be great if there was a next step to say, and in some of these cases, we're at least going to write a 1,000 words for a popularly read uh, HR talent journal that says, you know what, in the workplace, it would look like this because a lot of academic, as you, you know, from reading a lot of these, a lot of academic articles end with things like this has strong implications for selection. Say, like, cool, which implications does it have for selection? How would I apply this? You end up with these very these very broad conclusions. It's important for engagement in the workforce. <laughs> sure. How? And so just having a an academic, perhaps even working with a practitioner to translate like that to say, hey, actually, because of this, you might want to change your engagement survey to include questions Q, S, and Y. And you might want to analyze it in this way to get a more accurate, it's something that takes it from the brick stage to just something more useful. And I'll, I'll put in a plug for our Talent Q magazine. That is, I'll call it a charity. We don't make any money. We lose quite a bit of money on that, but we do that to publish articles from smart people like your listeners that say, hey, we found something new that you might be interested in, and we've translated it into a nomenclature and language that you as a practitioner can easily understand. So I think step one is think beyond the academic journal as the final resting place for your knowledge. Um, if you really want to help the practitioner community, then you need to get this into Maybe that a practitioner reads, or even you know, on a podcast that a practitioner leads, listens to. But I would lean towards the reading side. Presented conferences, the kind of let's take that same concept forward. There are plenty of conferences. Conference board offers a lot, and others show up and speak at those. Hey, we've got some cool new research. The implications for you, as people who are trying to solve these problems every day, are A, B, and C. Now, part of the challenge might be a lot of folks have never been in the private sector. And so they might not understand. Here are the practical implications of this finding. Great partner with somebody. You've got a ton of I.O. psychs who are working in the private sector. You know, find folks who are smart enough to understand the work that you're doing and partner with them to translate that into uh, practical outcomes and advice for practitioners. The other piece, and actually I was going to try to make this, this claim more strongly which is around uh, title your academic articles in language that a, a high school junior could understand, because there's some, some very thick titles out there. I've, I've found one last time. I'm sure this is a, a wonderful article, but just as an example, Increasing Dispositional Legitimacy, Progressive Legitimization Dynamics in a Trajectory of Settlements.
0: Oh, well, what's not to understand there, Mark? Come on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, I know... I think I know what each of those individual words mean, but when you string them together in a sentence or a title, I don't have a clue what that is. And and I find that I find that challenge regularly and that could be due to my intellectual capabilities, but oftentimes I will be looking up a number of words in just the title of the article to try to understand what it's about. And that means I'm actually willing to make the effort to do that because I think that this knowledge is cool, but how many normal HR practitioners who are extremely busy uh, are going to spend the time once they even crack open an academic journal to say, I don't even know what they're talking about. I'm not going to spend any time looking this up and trying to understand it.
0: If you're listening to this show and you sit on a tenure committee, you you know very well that this is your problem to solve. Um, Other than hyper-motivated researchers who are inclined to help out because they feel strongly about it. It's you who control the incentive for things like tenure. And the kind of communication that Mark's talking about here, we know isn't rewarded by those incentives. I'm going to make a prediction about the future of talent management. I predict that within 20 years, most companies' talent management processes will be determined by their HRIS. So we buy human resource information systems. They have processes built into them for calibration, succession planning, nine bucks, and so on. And hey, if you want to use the system, which you do because you just spent a bunch of money on it, you've got to follow the process. And when we change, you've got to change too. Any validity to that prediction?
1: I'm going to give you a lovely consulting answer, which is it depends. And here's what it depends on. Um, we're already seeing a bit of that, but we're also seeing a bit of pushback, and and here's what I'm seeing. I stay in regular touch with about the top 50 talent leaders in big companies around the globe, and this is the number one unprompted complaint that they offer to me, which is we hate our technology. And when they say we hate our technology, most of them mention the names of the uh, most popular programs in that, and especially around talent, uh, whether it's talent reviews, succession, and they say what is built in is garbage, it doesn't work, it doesn't present information in a helpful way, it doesn't help us with analysis, therefore we have a system off to the side or we have a manual system that we use to do that, we create a data lake and we we, pull the information back in. So is it possible that that HRS systems will be dictating talent practices going forward it certainly is possible, but if what we're seeing right now is any indication of the future, you've got a lot of HRIS systems that are not designed in the way that smart talent practitioners want to use them. And so I think this is a real challenge for the folks who are building out you know, Workday and, and Oracle products and others is to say, you know, talk to your customers about what they need. I did a speech a, a number of years ago to the HR tech conference that said, basically, HR IT or HR IS providers have paved the cow path in many ways. They simply taken what we always did and, and automated it instead of thinking, what do people really need from their technology? What I am hoping is that we will see more automation of analytics, meaning that I am going to get a text on Monday morning at 825 that says, you're about to speak with your team member, Ben in this conversation, here's what you should say because we know this about Ben, A, B, C, D, and F. E, and F. Therefore, your conversation with him should get on Q, S, R, and Y. I think kind of decision support, uh, management support from HRAS and analytics would be incredibly helpful. And I think that's what I would love to see more of from uh, these big providers is how do you actually use that data
0: to help managers
1: to make smarter decisions?
0: Mm-hmm. So that's a great, sort of request for what you'd like to see do you have a, a prediction of what we can expect to see in, in terms of changes in talent management
1: here's my uh, my realistic pessimistic view in the near term nothing because i'm not hearing anything from my clients that suggest there's any radical shift coming in the way that they do talent management work and part of that might be i do beat the drum of, of fundamentalism meaning Uh, Until you are flawlessly executing the basics of talent management, don't try new stuff. And in most organizations, they aren't setting goals properly. They aren't coaching. They aren't developing people well. And so I think people, even my clients are all big, successful companies, Um, even big, successful companies are struggling with the fundamental execution of basic talent management practices. Uh, What I'm I'm unfortunately seeing is more focusing and getting that right. I think once they get that right, then they'll start to explore new and different things.
0: I'd like to encourage everyone listening to check out the show notes for Mark's bio, a transcript of today's show, and links to Mark's books and his company. Mark, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, I found this hugely informative and really appreciate your feedback for the I.O. community.
1: My pleasure, Ben. Thanks to all of your listeners for all the great work they do and keep it coming.